Do, do, do. Hey. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. I'm probably not going to look at you in the beginning. Okay. I'm sitting here looking at you, and this microphone is there. I feel you. I'll be like, what? Podcasting can be really bizarre. Sometimes even when I'm doing it by myself, I'm like, it's not that I feel like someone's watching me, but it's one of those things where I am so, like, even conscious of, like, my body language and, like, what I'm doing. Well, your voice changes, like, how, yeah. based on how you're sitting. 100%. I noticed that this morning. And I usually have to meditate before I podcast. Otherwise, I get my really high phone voice. So, like, if oh I just, God, like... Oh, my God, I heard that today at the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> so, if I just go into it, I don't... This is my normal voice. This is yeah. how I sound. And that's been, like, one of the hardest parts of podcasting for me is, like, showing up truly with my own, like, my natural vocals. Yeah. And that it's takes always weird to hear yourself too. Meditation. Yeah, I'm kind of used to it now. But with all that being said, I'm glad we did Kundalini this morning because yeah, I'm kind of in it. I'm just like zened out. Good. In a good way. Is there a bad zen? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. Okay. I'm. I'm okay. You're okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're a little nervous. Mm-hmm. But it's okay. It's like good nerves. Yeah. And I'm just going to trust you to you. I got you. We're going to dig into some deep stuff. Okay. Well, buckle up, kids. Are you ready? Here we go. Okay. So, you already know this, but I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad to be here. We've been talking about this for a while, and kind of circling back to what we were talking about, I don't normally do in-person podcasts because I feel, not insecure isn't the right word, but I feel like I'll lose track or I'll lose consciousness if I'm like looking face to face with somebody but the types of conversations that you and I have are so wild yeah like we just kind of like zone in (laughs) to where yeah it's like we don't really get distracted from each other um they're very mindful conversations so this feels good to be doing it here and I'm in Boulder you guys I'm not in Chicago (laughs) and I'm not in my closet (laughs) I'm in Kate's beautiful crystal gridded home Yes. Um, in her meditation room, which I um, have some behind-the-scenes photos that I'll share with you guys because it's really, really, really sweet. We've got some copal. Yes, we do. Holding crystals. Mm-hmm. We're so ready for this. Okay, so let's um, have you say hi to everybody. Hello. Hi. <laughs> this is Kate Hart. Great to be here. Um, explain what it feels like living in a home that is... Just like an intentional extension of who you are and how you made mm. it so. Because I know this home means so much to you. Purchasing this home, the way that you chose to decorate it, having it crystal gridded. So what does that feel like for you to be able to like come home to this space, to create in this space? Yeah. Um, buying this home was a big step for me. It was a big commitment to putting down some roots in Boulder. Um, being originally from the East Coast and not having been here for not even two years. So when I decided to purchase a home, um, the actual space was really important to me. And I worked with my incredible friend, who was also my realtor, about, you know, the things that were non-negotiables to me, natural light, the flow of the energy through the space. Um, And then when all was said and done, I met with one of my really dear friends, Victoria, who does incredible work about how I wanted this space to be very intentional Um, and not just the overall home, but even like room by room and really honing in on what home is to me, like what that means. Mm -hmm. Um, And also how I want it to feel when I welcome somebody into my home, Mm -hmm. because as you mentioned, this is a really sacred space for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I welcome somebody in here in any capacity, it's really special to me and I want them to feel love, to feel open, to feel grounded. They do. <laughs> Take it from Speaking me. Speaking from experience. They do. It's working. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And so I worked with Victoria about setting intentions for each room and having then she took all of my intentions and matched them with crystals that would then support that and created grids. And we did intention setting in the space and it's just been a beautiful, um, just how it's all come together and how I've continued to create sacred space in it mm-hmm. and been intentional to your point about like 
furniture and color and textiles, um, all of that Mm -hmm. and getting really granular with it, but Mm -hmm. also being open to what kind of happens. Yeah. Um, and then just really slowing down. Yeah. My life here has been incredible and it's really provided purpose Yeah. to slow down and be intentional. Mm-hmm. So, Especially with like all of the healing and inner work that you've been doing, especially over the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you have quite a big, beautiful life filled with lots of good, but also some super, super hard. So I think yeah. to have a space like this that you can come home to and like feel safe to heal that's kind of what I'm going through right now with my tiny little apartment. Yeah. You know, it's a game changer. Well, and to just get home at the end of your day, I mean, whatever that day mm-hmm. is, it could be a really intense work day. It could just be a really fun day, but to get home and just feel like you're able to take a big yeah. exhale and you're just wrapped in a cocoon of love. Yep. That's like what I want my home to feel And it like. looks how you want it to feel. What's so funny, what I noticed with this space um, or sorry, with my space is that all of my other apartments and homes, I was constantly pinning, mm, like, mm-hmm. you know, and then I would like kind of design my house around or my space around like what's trending or all of these really unique, you know, rooms and spaces. And then when it came down to it, I was like, uh, that's not what I'm choosing. Is this even me? Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't like what I was choosing. I just, you, I think for me, it was just like, I was subconsciously gravitating towards what's innately me and that's a lot of white yeah. you know and but I was trying to convince myself that like ooh emerald green yeah and then a month later I am so sick of it mm-hmm. you know so even things like that of being intentional of like yeah like your true self and what really calms you and what feels trendy and good to you not to the rest of the world well right because what's really true to you and what really resonates deep within yourself mm-hmm. like your true self mm-hmm. that's not going to be it's not going to not feel good in six months or a year. Exactly. Like that will like always feel good. Donating and selling everything. Yeah. yeah. Which was me in <laughs> my last phase. Yeah. But if I see burnt sienna again, <laughs> it'll You're be You're going to turn the other way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's dig into your past a little bit um, and what brought you here to the present moment. So can you tell us a bit about your background? So where you're from, what your childhood was like, um, and what you were like as a kid. I've seen some pictures, so <laughs> I have a vague idea. But, yeah, maybe give some background for people who are listening. Yeah. I mean, how far back do I want me to go? Well, so you're an East Coaster. Yeah. You were born, born and raised, raised in New Hampshire. Yep. Um, and then I went to boarding school in Massachusetts. And you have I, a ton of siblings. Yeah, so I'm the middle of five kids. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Middle child. Yeah. Um, went to college in Boston and then lived in Boston for... 11 years. And then it was all, it'll be three years this January that I moved out here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, being the middle of five kids. Yeah. What were you like? Were you like attention starved or were you kind of just like doing your own thing? Well, my younger brother and sister that are twins are seven years younger than me. So I was the youngest and the only girl for seven mm-hmm. years. So I was definitely like relishing in all attention of that (laughs) lovely attention and I loved I like idolized my older brothers wanted Mm -hmm. to be just like them wanted to skateboard wanted to snowboard you were a tomboy totally that's awesome I ate worms (laughs) in my backyard I'm not embarrassed I ate dirt yeah I mean I think I thought it was chocolate but still yeah something up in the woods of New Hampshire yeah um yeah and then when my little brother and sister were born it was like the best thing that ever happened to me I had live Mm. baby dolls and I loved to take care of them I became a little miniature mom at the age of seven. I mean, my nickname now in my family, they call me Minnie Linny after my mother. Yeah. Um, I've definitely <laughs> inherited a lot of that, like nurturing. Hosting. Mm-hmm. Love to host, love to cook, yeah. love to entertain. Um, but yeah, it was fun. I was a tomboy. I was super athletic. Played field hockey, basketball, and lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And then boarding school? Yeah, what I went to boarding like? school my junior and senior year. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of resistance to it in the very beginning. Yeah. I really didn't want to go. My parents noticed a pretty dramatic shift from my freshman year to my sophomore year of high school. Um, and I woke up one morning and was just going to go to school, and there was an outfit laid out on the floor, and it was khakis and a white button-down, nice and neatly pressed. And I was like, what is that? 
And my parents were like, we're not going to school today. We're going to interview at boarding schools, like tour boarding schools. I was like, uh, what? That's a rude awakening. Yeah. So that didn't feel good at first, but it ended up being the most incredible thing that they could have ever encouraged me to do. Mm -hmm. And I had such an amazing experience there. I'm so close with a handful of friends and teachers that Mm -hmm. I had. Mm -hmm. And I loved it so much. I encouraged them to have my little brother and sister go there for all four years, which they did. They did? Yeah. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's a magical place. And then, so what was your college experience like? That was, the transition to college was a breeze because I had already Mm. transitioned out of living from home. Yeah. And so I, that was not hard at all. And I went um, to Boston. So it's only about an hour and a half, two hours from where I grew up, Mm -hmm. you know, but it was the big city. Mm -hmm. Um, And college was fun. I was definitely a little confused about like what I wanted to study, what I wanted to do. Classic, Mm -hmm. you know, like what are we going to do with our lives? Yeah. As we're so conditioned. 10 times. (laughs) I literally changed my major at least five times, I Same. think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's wild to see where I am now based right? on that. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was fun. I loved Boston. Northeastern is supposed to be a five-year school, but I did it in four. Looking back at that, I don't know why I rushed through that experience. you're just so smart. <laughs> <gasps> no, I just was like, oh, I, know, I want to be an adult. Yeah, right. And now we're like, I like, just want to go back to eating peanut butter and jelly and taking naps. Right? Yeah. College. Yeah, it was fun, though. That's awesome. So then from college, you started working in corporate, correct? Yeah. I took a year right after I graduated and was kind of like, I need to get out of New England. I want to um, go on some sort of adventure and not be living there because that was all I knew. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had done traveling with my family and stuff. but um, And so I went with my boyfriend at the time and my best friend, and we went and lived out in Arizona. Mm. But I didn't last a year. It was way too hot. I was after one summer. I was like, "Get me out of here." Yeah, I could never do that. I mean, you think it's hot here today? It's twice as bad. Yeah, for longer. It's like harder to breathe. Yeah, yeah, you feel like you're in a sauna, and it's just like yeah. wanting that big, deep breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. Not so attainable. So you have to figure out where your Jupiter line is. Even though yeah, you think it's in Boulder. I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be surprised. We should do that after this. Yeah, we See should. If we can figure it out. We can. Um, okay, but yeah, we probably lost like <laughs> half listeners. Like your Jupiter line? What are you talking about? <laughs> But yeah, um, then I moved back east, mm-hmm. and then um, my first quote-unquote real job was working for Cisco Food Service. Okay. And that's not the job that you had before coming here, right? No, no, Or no. in the season that you're in now. Mm-hmm. Okay. What was that job? My Cisco Food Service job? No, the one before becoming a nutritionist. Oh, I moved out here um, for a job. I was the chief of staff for a solar startup, mm-hmm. which is what got me from Boston to Boulder. What I find so fascinating mm. is that you were like killing it. <laughs> well, I mean, thanks. you were so successful, you know, especially for your age. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet you still decided to leave. And I think that's so yeah. admirable and amazing and something that I want you to talk about because I think there's a lot of fear around leaving corporate in general, but especially leaving corporate and a good salary for something that you feel called to do. And for you, that's holistic nutrition and helping people. So can you explain what that process was like? Yeah. I mean, leaving my job that Mm -hmm. I flew out, came out here for, or even like getting the download to like flirt with possibly leaving the job for nutrition. Well, it wasn't really, I mean, for me, it wasn't really even a choice. Mm. It was pretty choiceless. I mean, Mm. part of it was the company that I moved out here for, um, was going to relocate. And so I had only been here eight months and they, I found out that I was in order to keep my job, I'd have to move back to Phoenix, ironically. Right. And (laughs) there was, it was never even, you know, that also was very choiceless. It was like my entire body was like, absolutely not. Yeah. No, you're not, I'm not going. And they really tried to convince me that it was going to be great. And the company that I moved out here for was a startup. They were doing pretty well, but there was still a lot of instability. And it just, in my whole being, I was there was nothing that warranted relocating again. And I was just starting to learn to love, not learn to love, but like starting to fall in love with Boulder. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really didn't, I didn't want to. So mm-hmm. I, in, I ended up getting laid off because I did, 
refuse to take the right they move and like all the things. So yeah. yeah, but that also was within a two week period. So I moved out here in January of 2017, and then within two weeks, I found out that the job that I moved out here for and um, the guy that I had been dating since May died tragically in a car accident. Mm -hmm. And so within two weeks, I lost my job and or found out I was going to lose my job. And then um, the guy that I had been dating died. And he was like the one incredible, like happy, positive piece when all the job stuff started to fall apart um, that I I was like, oh, it's, it's going to be okay. Like mm-hmm. Angus is here. Like we're going to have an amazing winter. Mm-hmm. We're going to ski. It's going to be amazing. I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I learned that he died, my whole world blew up. Mm-hmm. And that is where changing my entire course of like my career and my entire trajectory and just like the way in which I'm living my life changed completely. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Which that, death can do and usually does do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, so in terms of like actually taking, I mean, I could have, I had a window where, um, after his memorial and my, I came back, um, to Boulder and I had about less than a month before my lease was up. Mm. And that's when I really sat and thought about what was important. Where do I want to be? What do I want to do? Is this when you asked Angus, like on the other side, like, should I leave? Should I stay? Should I go? Should I stay? Should I go? And you saw a rainbow. Yeah. Rainbows have become very symbolic for me with my relationship to Angus now that he's boundless. Mm -hmm. Um. On my way, his memorial was in Aspen, Mm -hmm. and on my way back over Independence Pass, I saw over 11 double rainbows. I have goosebumps, like, all over my body. That's so (laughs) crazy. I mean, it's not crazy, but it's just so magical. Yeah. And my cousin that came with me was like, is this even real? I was like, yeah, this is Ingus. Yeah. Um, And so ever since then, whenever I see rainbows, it's been a very just you know, symbolic message from him. And yeah, I sat in my kitchen and looked out my window at the Flatirons and was, you know, in tears and yelling and talking and mm-hmm. all the things asking what I should do. Should I stay here? Should I go? Should I go back East? He also was from the East coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 20 minutes later I looked out and there was a huge rainbow dumping into the parking lot of my apartment that I was living in at the time. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm staying. I'll be staying here. Mm-hmm. And truly, I mean, I think that your intuition already knew that that's what you wanted. Mm. But just to get that. That just kind that of little extra push. little hug that like, yeah, this is good. Yeah. There was a little part of me during that whole <clears throat> phase, which was a really beautiful, challenging, mm-hmm. hard, like broken, open mess. Mm-hmm. Um where there was a part of me that knew all along that I wasn't going to leave. And I didn't want, you know, my experience and going through such a tragic loss Mm -hmm. and just to run away and to let my time here be defined by that. Totally. I asked him to, if buying this house was like the right place for me and if I should do it. Mm -hmm. And again, within an hour. Yeah. 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 That's so cool. I love that. All you have to do is ask. That's a thing. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I've learned too. Is like, it might sound hokey, but it's like, I've gotten so much validation from my dad and like my great grandmother and it's all, and just asking the question and being still enough to like be open to the sign, you mm-hmm. know, and also not wavering on the sign. Like, I think I talked about it once, maybe on the podcast or on the blog, but I remember one time I was like, setting an intention to ask for a sign, right? And to choose what I wanted. And I was like, well, maybe it'll be a sunflower. And I was like, or maybe I want a butterfly. And I was like, well, maybe a sunflower or a butterfly, like either one. And then Mm -hmm. I was like, no, you know, that's not being super, that's not having intention behind it, you know? Well, I think a large part of it too, at least for me and my experience is all about 
just being open yeah. to whatever it is. Yeah. And when you see it, you know. You know. Yeah. Well, that was really funny, too, is my therapist um, at one point – or no, not my therapist. It's my Reiki master, and she's also a medium. And she had said to me, she was like, so butterflies are a thing for you, yeah? And I was like, yeah, it's – yes, they are. And she goes, okay, well, one thing that I want to <laughs> – one thing I want to tell you is also not to take the magic out of it, but I think you might be a little intense with the butterflies. <laughs> like, you also have to realize it's summer – Butterflies, butterflies are, are just out. butterflies. Yeah, until they aren't. Mm. You know, she was like, you know. And it was like soon after that where like my mom had had a couple of really funny like invasive instances with butterflies. I had one that like wouldn't get out of my hair. And I was like, <laughs> and now like my family joke is a butterfly isn't just a butterfly. Yeah. When like we see one that, you know, is messing with <laughs> us. But I don't know. I think that that's really beautiful. Just taking the taking the pause and being open. Yeah. And receiving those signs. So talking about dipping into grief a little bit and just like the experience of losing people, I wanted to share with them how we met. Cause I feel mm. like, I feel like our friendship is very kind of like kismet to me, yeah. sort of like one that was like designed before we even knew each other. I'm sure we've known each other. In I'm, past sure. Lives. I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure. Um, it wasn't our first time meeting. Yeah. So do you want to share of yeah. how, how we met? Blog shop besties. Yeah. We Shout out to Alyssa. Alyssa. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, we met at a blog shop conference um, in Chicago. And we were there and we were, you know, beautiful space. Mm-hmm. And um, we all got to just like choose where we were sitting. And I sat down. Alyssa was sitting to the left of me and there was a seat open to the right. And you showed up like 10 minutes late. And Maybe more. They were annoyed. Really? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you were late. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of like came in with, um, you know, a little bit of intense energy. And mm-hmm. you sat down next to me. And I just looked at you and I was like, are you okay? <laughs> and you looked at me and you were like, no. <laughs> and I was like, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And I just feel like we had such an incredible connection of just, like, such truth and vulnerability Mm -hmm. and honesty. Like, right away. From the moment we sat down next to each other. Yeah. So this was, like, for you guys listening, this was a week and a half, two weeks after my dad had died. And so my flight was a little bit delayed. Um, My boyfriend at the time picked me up from the airport and dropped me off right at the workshop. So I came from, like... The house where my dad I just had can't passed. believe you showed up. Well, I emailed them and I said, like, can I, am I able to get a refund? This is what happened. They were like, we're so sorry. Like, we can't give you a refund. And so I was like, okay, I feel like that's the universe's sign of saying, like, dump yourself in creativity. Yeah. You know? And, like, I got to meet you and Alyssa. And yeah. I think there's a lot. I mean, I was really annoyed at first. I'm like, are you serious? Like, right. my dad my just dad. died. But in hindsight, it was where I was supposed to be. Um and, and good I for learned, you for... And I learned a lot. Yeah. Like, yeah. having the courage to be open to that and to yeah. show up and yeah. to pour your heart and soul into all the creativity that mm-hmm. happened that weekend. I mean, it was incredible. It was really healing. And, yeah. yeah, I remember it wasn't, like, right away I'd said, like, yeah, you know, my dad just died or whatever, and um, then you have to, like, start listening. You know, it's not <laughs> like we could It's not like, have oh, I just, space. like, got back from, yeah. like, Mexico. Yeah. And so we had to, like, you know, go through the conference or whatever, but you would have these dips of, like... You could have a glass of champagne or, like, have a snack or whatever. And I just remember you – it was, like, there were so many people. But it was just, like, me, me and Alyssa. And we just, like, honed in on each other. It was, mm-hmm. like, this instant support system of, like, you know, me sharing with you one of the first people that I had, like, shared about this process Total with. stranger. Yeah, which was almost, like, amazing in a way. But, like, you Sometimes just, it's easier. Yeah. But you just felt very safe to where I was, like, I can do this. And then you – sharing about your brother, mm-hmm. you know, like your brother's near death experience. And, um, you were yeah. like kind of fresh off of that. Very fresh. Yeah. It was I a think it lot was... of just holding space for each other. And yeah. And Alyssa shared her thyroid cancer story. Her cancer story. Yep. Yeah. We were just it pouring our hearts out on the table. Crazy how that worked out though. Mm-hmm. It was wild. Um, and then, so Kate and I, we also we sort of got into nutrition a little bit because you that, kept saying just eat the yolk, <laughs> just eat the yolk. When I see eat the yolk or hear it, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. if I could kill that, 
egg white omelet forever. I would. Um, Eat the yolk, guys. Yeah, please. Do your body a favor and eat the yolk. We'll get into that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because that was one of the things that first inspired. I mean, I learned a lot about nutrition and just our whole food system and agriculture Mm -hmm. in a really ass-backwards way Mm -hmm. working at Cisco. Yeah. Food service. Oh, I bet. It was so eye-opening and horrifying, and I became a vegetarian for a while after that job. Mm. Um, But then when my brother suffered a traumatic brain injury – I got really into nutrition from a healing perspective and naturally everything that I was researching and going, you know, super deep into was not aligning with what a lot of Western medicine was telling him and, um, you know, my family. Yeah. They'd often be like, Kate, time to get off your soapbox. Like he's going to eat what he's going to eat and he's doing great. So it all worked out. But Yeah. yeah, that's, but I remember talking to you about all sorts of different things, like very high level about nutrition but that was like some Things of our are, first yeah. email exchanges yeah after the conference yeah like here's this book yeah and how things have aligned now like to where you are now it's pretty crazy mm-hmm. so we took it's not like we took a beat from each other but we yeah. obviously didn't live in the same city and it was just one of those things where how <clears throat> i've said it before is just like cheering each other on from afar totally you know like always supporting each other and not really talking much but just like i don't know it was it was sweet. Like I could still feel your presence, but we weren't how yeah. we are now by any means. No. Um, and what brought you back to me? Yeah, was, was when Angus. Angus died. Yeah. And I I mean, I was out in Colorado. I'd been here for 8 months and I was working so much at my job that yeah. I really I had made a couple friends at work that fortunately those couple friends I'm still close with, which I'm really grateful for, but Aside from that, I was out in a new place, like, Mm -hmm. all alone. Mm -hmm. My entire core support network in terms of family and friends was all back east. And um, so I was – it felt like I was literally on an island by myself. Mm -hmm. And um, when I learned that Angus died, it was 4.30 in the morning on a Monday. And How did you find out? Through Facebook. Which was awful. Ugh. And part of that whole experience had a lot to do with our relationship. In that, you know, we had been dating and it was one of the... I mean, our first conversation was three hours long. Yeah. And it wasn't about nothing. Like, it was, no. like, profound, right? And I just remember hanging up the phone after that first conversation and been like, is this real? Yeah. Like, are we having... Like, we just, wow. Yeah. Like, we just went deep. Like, hello. Yeah. Um, which was amazing. And that kind of was a true testament to the relationship that I had with him. Yeah. I mean, we had such an incredible connection. And it, we just went really deep really fast. And mm-hmm. he totally woke me up. Yeah. And he, like, I remember when he was staying with me one weekend, he was like, I need, I just need 30 minutes. I need to go meditate. Mm-hmm. Were you doing that at that point? And I was like, okay, like, I'm going, we're going up to the mountains, like, we were leaving the next day. I was like, you can go meditate in the guest room, I'm going to pack and, like, get organized and, like, do the things. Mm -hmm. Because that was, like, my whole way of being before. Yeah. Was just that conditioned, like, I've got to get things done, I've got to, I got to do it, you know, I'll go do all the things, like, you go meditate. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't have time for that. Yeah. Where now it's, like, non-negotiable. Yep. Don't leave my house before I do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, most days I'm not. I'm human. I'm not perfect. But yeah, so we, and he was living in Carbondale and, um, so he would always come to Boulder. Yeah. And so we'd hang out here and we'd have incredible times here in Boulder, but like I never met his friends Mm -hmm. and, um, he was going to meet my family when they came out for Thanksgiving that November, but he died in August. And so part of my whole grief experience through that, which is also, you know, why I reached out to you was, I mean, grief alone is isolating. I mm-hmm. mean, I think as a society, we're, we're conditioned not to talk about it mm-hmm. and to not really feel into it and mm-hmm. to just be like, okay, that person has died and we move on now. Mm-hmm. And or we, we deal with it in silence because don't make other people uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And um, like I introduced myself to Angus's parents at his memorial service, yeah. which was beautiful, but also just like, wow. Um, and 
for the first time ever, I mean, being in the middle of five kids, I often tend to be the one that is doing all the things for everybody else. Yeah. I don't know if your listeners are familiar with the Enneagram, but I'm a two. I'm a helper. So mm. my, you know, putting everybody else's needs before my own, something I'm working on totally dissolving. Um, but for the first time ever, when I found out that Angus died and I was like, okay, and I'm about to not have a job because so much of my self-identity was tied up in my job title and how much money I was making and mm. what I was doing and... I just got blown open yeah. in a way that I had never experienced before. And I will never forget being in the fetal position, like sobbing on my kitchen floor, just being like, I can't do this alone. I need help, mm-hmm. which for me to ask for help was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And that's when I reached out to one of my really near and dear friends who actually was my babysitter back East mm-hmm. Um, who lives a couple towns over, and I just said, I need your help. Mm-hmm. I need your doctor. I need your therapist. Mm-hmm. I need I need all the things. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time at that point in 35 years that I really, truly showed up for myself in a way that I'd never done before. Yeah. And it was like <clears throat> a rock bottom for you, where you were oh. like, I'm going to, I have to, it's going to sink or I'm going to swim. Yeah. Yeah. It's and there were white. many yeah. days where it was like, yep, we're going to sink. You're drowning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and fortunately I got an incredible therapist who, and Angus was extremely spiritual, very, very awake, very conscious, very Mm -hmm. intentional with the way in which he led his life. Um, and so he, you know, woke me up to all of that in a totally new way of being. So I was super curious Mm -hmm. about digging into it. And I mean, Mm -hmm. talk about losing somebody so tragically and just like grief in and of itself to, Mm -hmm be an experience and an opportunity to really dive in head first. Yeah. I was just so open to anything. I, people mm-hmm. would be like, oh, here's this spiritual healer you should call. I was like, cool, what's their number? Totally. Like, Same. Yeah. yeah. Open to all the like, things. Oh, you're telling me this might help me? Like, give me more. Yeah. Yeah. And I got connected with an incredible therapist who I'm so grateful for. And one of the things that she told me, like, straight out of the gates was to allow – she was like, allow yourself the space to grieve thoroughly mm-hmm. and to really feel all mm-hmm. that which, comes up. Which can be so terrifying. Yeah. It can be so terrifying to witness what your body is doing and like what your insides are doing oh. when you really do that. Mm-hmm. Few people do. And she was like, because if you do, that will allow yourself to release all of that trauma mm-hmm. and just everything that is stuck mm-hmm. inside of our bodies on mm-hmm. a cellular level mm-hmm. and release it. Yeah, and trauma is still part of who you are, but you're not carrying it around. You're right. not wearing it like a jacket. Yeah. And that's what weighs people down and, you know, forms a bunch of, like, unnecessary triggers. And, mm-hmm. yeah, that's such good advice. And I think what's really cool, too, is um, – Angus being like such a teacher and an expander for you within the spirituality. It's really cool to see that like, yes, you dived in, but also it's so authentic to just who you are. I think, and this is no judgment. I'm not saying this to judge, but I think that you can sometimes tell when there are people who are wanting to dive into spirituality because I don't know. It's like becoming mainstream and like trendy now. Right. And maybe just like not for like the right reasons. Not that I think it's anything to like shy away from. I guess my point is that, and maybe that's the commonality, is that like for me as well, spirituality really showed itself for me within grief Mm -hmm. too because I was like nothing else is working for me. Nothing else is making sense and nothing else is bringing me peace. Well, and that's why I reached out to you because of like the blog posts you've done and, you know, some of the podcasts that you had previously done as well mm-hmm. I was like oh, it was like a breath of fresh air I was mm-hmm. like you're talking about the reality of what grief looks like yeah and <clears throat> excuse me like what you experience through it yeah and to me because I just felt so alone in all of it mm-hmm. I was like oh no she gets it yeah we are not meant to be an island no and no. it was refreshing and just you were such a light for me mm-hmm. in an expander in that way to really honor all of it. Mm -hmm. That's the thing is like, we're all, I'm just so tired. I'm so tired of grief being this, like this, I guess. Yeah. Just taboo. I'm so sick of it. And I think I'm so sick of it because 
I need to talk about it. And I don't like the feelings that come from people who can't handle it from people who are like, I don't know what to say. Or I'm like, I'm, but not, you know what, I'm not asking for you to say anything. Like, I just need to like, I need to just breathe my truth out. And I know for some, I mean, when I started talking about grief, I like lost followers left and right. And I was like, okay, great. Let's make more space for people who like need to hear this message because I'm truly the calm collective. I've said, this is not for everyone else. If it helps people, that's amazing. But this is truly like my healing platform. Yeah. You Which know, is beautiful. And I lose sight of that sometimes. I mean, like we've talked about this vulnerably where I'm like, that post wasn't for me and that felt <laughs> like shit, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to get better with that, especially with this trip around the sun I'm about to have, my birthday. Yes. And I just want to, you know, maybe this is like me holding myself accountable here, but just, you know, get back to that core root of just speaking truth and giving space to what's real. And what's real is that pain and grief happens in the human experience and it's it's actually incredibly healing to lose someone and that sounds really fucked up no but it's so true but it's so true like my dad dying has healed me in so many ways that I can't even explain yeah I recently just shared um because the two-year anniversary of Angus's death was just Mm -hmm. last week Mm -hmm. um and I shared so much about how I really truly in my whole heart Mm -hmm. have so much deep love and gratitude for having the time that I had with him to share the experiences that I had with him. Um, and then also how much I've learned through losing him. Yeah. And that even in all of it, there's just so there's so much learning. There's so much beauty. There's, and I think that that's where reframing grief and to your point is there is so much to learn and there's Mm -hmm. so many beautiful lessons and Mm -hmm. it's an unfortunate and really hard (laughs) wake up call, Mm -hmm. which is where like I wouldn't be living in this house and doing the work that I'm doing right now if it wasn't for Angus and in losing him. Yeah. Um, which is, Crazy to think about. Yeah. And one thing that I wanted to touch on too is, um, I know you said that, you know, you felt really isolated Mm. when you were grieving him. And I totally understand that. I mean, I would have someone being like, I lost my dad too. And I'm like, no, but you didn't lose my dad. Like you didn't lose Jim. So like, I still put myself on this Island of like, you still don't get it, which I think is normal. It's a human reaction when you're traumatized and all the things. But one thing Mm -hmm. that if you don't mind me asking, I wanted to touch on what it was like for you personally because your relationship with Angus was so sacred and you guys were so internal with one another and private in a lot of ways. Like you hadn't met each other's friends really yet. You hadn't like migrated communities yet. You hadn't met each other's families yet. And so to lose him and sort of be like, wait, no one knew knew us together. Mm -hmm. So you almost... I want to talk about that from a really vulnerable perspective of like what you probably might not want to say about it because it it doesn't, it can feel a little like ego centric to be like, I want everyone to know that like this person and I, I just went to him on his way. Yeah. yeah, You know, but like people didn't know. No. How hard was that? It was extremely hard. It was really scary. I don't even know if scary is the right word, but I... I mean, I think, like, I have lost grandparents mm-hmm. and things like that. Well, people, things. <laughs> humans. <laughs> humans. Human beings. Your family members. <laughs> um, like that, but never, I'd never lost anybody in this capacity. Mm-hmm. And so just talking about losing somebody and just navigating grief conversations in general is really uncomfortable mm-hmm. because... I, in my experience, was met with a lot of, like, deadpan faces. When speaking about Angus? Yeah. Yeah. They were like, oh, I'm sorry. Or sometimes people wouldn't say anything, which, honestly, sometimes that's best. Yeah. And sometimes the really ridiculous things that come out of people's mouths because they get, like, tripped up and don't know what to say. Yeah, they're well-intended, but they're like... (laughs) Those were hard to swallow at times. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I, it was really hard. The whole point of that long winded story was it's hard, I think, to be open and vulnerable and to go against the societal norm and just really open your heart up Mm -hmm. to being able to talk about who you lost, what that relationship Mm -hmm. looked like, what that person, whoever it was, you know, meant to you. And that's that's hard in general. Yeah. But in this instance, I mean, we had met in May and he died in August. Um, you know, but because our relationship was so, it was really deep. It was really profound. I mean, we never had like the classic, like, are we exclusive? Are we dating? Like, are you my, no brainer. (laughs) It was just like, it didn't matter. Yeah. It wasn't even that it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah, so, like, trying to figure out how to neatly package that up in a way that I could share. Because I was like, do I call him my boyfriend? No, mm-hmm. that doesn't feel right. I mean, should I call my partner? Should the guy that I was dating, which is what I said earlier, because that's, like, the safest thing I could land on. I just intuitively say partner, because you guys were, like, a partnership. I know, but, yeah. like, but that's, that's where um, yeah. I often like felt uncomfortable yeah. like stepping into that because it was like, well, we we never had that conversation. So mm-hmm. like, and he's not here to have that conversation with anymore. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it was really hard to have, to understand how to define that. And that's mm-hmm. like one thing, even now in like, we were talking about yesterday, like nutritionally, we are so, we're constantly looking for that label or that box to put ourselves in, Mm -hmm. in so many different aspects of our life, of our life, like with relationships, with just our ways of being. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so limiting. Yeah. Which is where like what Angus and I were to anybody else, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And it took me a long time to really truly believe that. Mm -hmm. Um, like I remember reaching out to a couple people through Instagram after he died to share experiences um, that like we had together. If he mentioned a story or like shared something about his relationship with that person, mm-hmm. and it was very well intended. But when I didn't get the response that I was looking for, I realized that it actually wasn't coming from like my true heart. It was mm. my like the egoic part of me that wanted validation that like we were together, or that like yeah. he was sharing something like so profound about me to Mm -hmm. them or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Which was really difficult. And I didn't know how I was scared. I was scared of really owning my truth in that story. Yeah. After he died because I was so afraid of other people's judgments and reactions and, um, and now being on the other side of a lot of that and just really, having done so much work around like letting go what other people think and letting go Mm -hmm. of other people's judgments. It's so freeing. Yeah. Which is why I think this is the first time. I mean, we've been talking about doing this podcast for how long? Yeah. Two years probably. We just gave you the space and you were ready. I think it was like interesting. I think like the two year mark almost, you were just like, I feel like there's a piece of you that almost needs to put it out. Yeah. Yeah. This year feels very healing. Universe. Good. What are some, are there any, um, calming rituals that you can like think of pretty immediately that have helped with your grieving process? Is there anything in specific that stands out? I mean, meditation is huge. Yeah. My therapist was like, meditate Mm -hmm. for 30 minutes for 30 days. And I was like, you've got to be out of your mind. Yeah. Um, your therapist probably is part of it too. Like she, you talk about her all the time and I'm obsessed with her her and I don't even know her. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. You'll meet her. Yeah. Um, yeah. Therapy. Acupuncture was really huge for mm-hmm. me because that allowed me to release like stagnant energy yeah. that was stuck inside yeah. my like physical body that I, at that point, didn't even know how to release. Um, That's how Reiki was for me. Yeah. Like the first time I got that done, I was like, what is actually happening to my body? Yeah. It was wild because I had never had any sort of treatment like that before. So... And you have to just be open. Yeah. Think like 31. I've had so much trauma built up with no place to go. Yeah. Having that all released in like one hour, she was like, wow. (laughs) I'm feeling things. Yeah. That's true. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that, um, 
that type of feeling is not, not a joke. Yeah. And the other thing, I mean, meditation, therapy, acupuncture for sure. But the other thing that was really important for me, um, especially in the first year, I mean, in just in general Mm -hmm. is allowing, like really having compassion for yourself Mm -hmm. and not expecting any day to be any certain way and be like, okay, today's going to be a good day. Yeah. And have all the best intentions around that. And then shit falls apart and you just can't move. Yeah. And being okay with that and to not buy into or feed into like the ways of just like busying yourself to Mm -hmm. distract yourself from feeling Mm -hmm. or even labeling things as good or bad. Yeah. And, um, just a lot, like what was huge for me too, especially, I mean, I'm a really extroverted, social, fun, like I'd love to be like connect with people that I love with, but Mm -hmm. I needed a lot of solitude. Yeah. I really needed to be alone a lot. Um, which can be a little bit of a slippery slope at times Mm -hmm. to like slip into deep isolations. Never good. Yep. That was me in January. (laughs) Um, but to just allow yourself the space to really feel into things and to be able to have the releases that you need to have in the comforts and like in your space that feels really good Mm -hmm. so that you can be really vulnerable. And, and just, creating a safe circle of people. How has that been for you? Because, I mean, not everyone is meant to hold space for your grieving process. And that's totally. not good or bad. But I have friends where I'm like, you're just not who I go to for this. I don't love you any less because of it. Mm-hmm. That's Which is huge. And that's really huge. powerful. And I think that comes down, like, relates a lot to the expectation piece, too. Yeah, because, that's so true. Yeah. You know, we have often expectations of people to show up for us in ways that we think we would show up for them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to your point, some people just, there isn't that capacity and that's okay. It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that they're not a, you know, better or worse friend. They're just not the support that can hold that space Mm -hmm. because that's a really, it's a lot to hold. Yeah. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody has the capacity to, and that's okay. I also think it's been really huge too to be able to ask for what you need in that instance and it doesn't have to be this like profound thing but like with the friends who aren't necessarily my grief Mm go-tos if they're reaching out or they want to hang out and I've said no more than once that's generally when I like to reach out and just be like I just want to let you know I'm in it right now totally this isn't you um I just need space like I'll reach out when I'm ready and all those people I mean I've had maybe like 10 percent drop off from that and be like, I don't understand that. I don't really respect it. And then I don't really hear from them again, which is again, okay. a blessing, making yeah, more totally. space. But those people are always like, thank you so much for telling me, like I'm here if you need me. And then that drops so much guilt that you don't even know that you're carrying if you don't speak up for what you need and totally. allows you to go even deeper mm-hmm. and integrate yourself into whatever you need, like whatever healing you need. That even goes if you're just having a rough day, being able to be like, you know, I'll text my mom and sister or we'll do it to each other of just like quiet day. Mm -hmm. I need it. I'm going in, you know, and like no hard feelings. I'm safe, but just I need to check out. I don't think we give ourselves the privilege to do that enough. No. So connected all the time. All the time. And I think we're super connected in so many ways and it's really, at least this is something that I've been relearning over the last couple of years is to be really clear about yeah. what I need, yeah. whatever that might be. Maybe that's like, I really need you to come over. Yeah. Right. Like, Hey, I really need to talk. Like, do you have space to like have a conversation? Even if it's over the phone Yeah. or I really need to just be by myself and like, thank you so much for inviting me over for dinner. But tonight is just not a good night. Like let's rain check it. Yeah. And, and the you don't people, have to go into that whole thing, too, of, like, and here's why. Like, you no, really we don't, don't need to people that. No, but yeah. we, I think we do. We I have to, like, to justify our decision. Yeah. I'm like, well, I have a cold, and also, like, I'm just really not feeling good about, like, my dad. And also, I think that I might – it's just, like, this whole thing. It's yeah. like – Yeah, I've – Feeding into the insecurity. Yeah. And I think that um, having people that can really hear you yeah. and see you and love you, mm-hmm. no, like, unconditionally with where you're at. Yeah. And whatever you might need and mm-hmm. just be able to hear you and also not take it personal. Yeah. Which is really hard, but <clears throat> which is also like a good lesson for us all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. When people, it's like the roles are flipped. Absolutely. It's like, oh, it's not, it has nothing to do with us. That's like a daily practice for me that mm-hmm. I work on. Like I like challenge myself to even read text messages or hear people 
speaking to me and try to detach myself from anything that I don't like. Like if I feel like triggered by it, I'm like, okay, well, you know, take a step back and really analyze what that statement was. Mm -hmm. And then to be able to detach from, from that statement. And it's, I mean, it's not a cakewalk. It's no. Well, and those, those triggers too, those are, I like to always say that those triggers are there. Like the trigger is there. It's a lesson to teach you. Like our triggers are there to be tripped. And if yeah. we're still tripping, like, ooh, what is that? Not done yet. Yeah. Like, let's look at that. Yeah. Like, what is that trigger? Yep. For sure. We just went in a whole different direction. <laughs> I love it so much. Okay. Yeah. I want to ask you some rapid fire questions, but you don't have to answer them really fast. Okay. You can think on them if you want. Um, I know you're a mantra person or affirmation person, but do you have like a set mantra that you go back to time and time again? I am love. Ooh. So easy. So good. So when you meditate, is that something, if you get distracted, is that what you come back to? Well, in the beginning stages of my um, meditation practice, I did. But just over a year ago, I learned Vedic meditation Mm -hmm. through the subtle mind here in Boulder, which if anyone here is listening from Boulder and you haven't checked out the subtle mind, I would totally recommend it. It was a huge part of my healing. Um, And some of my closest friends I've met through there, Mm -hmm. I got a mantra through the Vedic practice. Mm. So that is what I meditate with. Mm -hmm. But when I'm out and about and like living life, if I get like all of a sudden I feel like super contracted and I'm like, whoa, what's happening? That's when I'm just like, I'll do some breath work. And it's like, I'm love. Everything is okay. Do you ever do tapping? No. I just started doing that. My grandpa used to teach that, like the EMDR. Um, Back when like everyone thought he was so woo for doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Progressive grandpa. Yeah. But – that helps a lot, even like within traffic or like things that are out of my control. Yeah. Just like tapping certain points. Yeah. Just being like, this is, or like you are grace kind of mm-hmm. so you don't lose your shit. You know? <laughs> I am loved. Yeah. <laughs> I am loved. <laughs> just like beating yourself up. Mm-hmm. It's really helpful. But um, that just, yeah, it's powerful. It is. Yeah. And just, I, and it's funny because I want to, I want to just like call this out for listeners because I know for some, there's a lot of you who are like, on this page and on this journey that I'm on as well. And I know there are some that are not because I know I don't always talk about spirituality and stuff like that. So there's a little bit of everything for, for people in this podcast, which I think is really cool. Definitely. But I think I do want to call out the pieces of myself prior to being spiritual and say that I recognize that when someone says like, yeah, their mantra that they repeat to themselves is I am love. You're like rolling your eyes. Totally. You know, but I think that stems from, being a little fearful of just not really understanding like why someone would need that or why someone uses that. And there's no way that that could really work. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just want to say like, I honor those people. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. I honor that hang up and know that we're not trying to like make you feel weird. (laughs) Yeah. And if there's resistance, that's okay. Yeah. And it's an invitation to kind of look at that deeper. A thousand percent. I mean, I remember it was right around, um, it was this past February, actually. I was up in Aspen with my good friend Lucy, and we woke up and we were, or no, it was, we were, it was like pillow talk before bed. Mm-hmm. And, my favorite. Yeah. And she's also a Vedic meditator, and we were chatting or whatever. And I was like, yeah, you know, I've been meditating for over a year. Like, why am I still this? Like, why do things hurt so bad still? Mm-hmm. To your point, like, this doesn't work. <laughs> what is happening? Am yeah. I not doing it right? Yeah. And just that, Yes, like we have spiritual practices. We do a lot of things that are very sacred to us that mm-hmm. kind of evoke that spirituality within us. Mm-hmm. But we're also humans. 100%. And yeah. there are days where yesterday, yeah, <laughs> where I was like, this girl, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Like, I want to kill everything. She dropped like $30 <laughs> almonds all over the floor. <laughs> Although I was here for that, so you kind of laughed. I did laugh. And your seltzer. Yeah. I was like, this is how my day is spent. <laughs> yep. This is this is where we're at. Yeah. But what are those? Do you remember what they are? What did you call it? <laughs> Champagne problems. Champagne problems. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. We've had the, uh, what would be the opposite of champagne problems? We've had those as well. Yeah. But it's, it's good to be able to recognize when something is. Well, and that's like the quick mindset shift that I think comes through meditation and just mm-hmm. like that self-awareness and being able to take that pause and redirect to be like, yeah, that sucks. Mm-hmm. But. It's also okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and to recognize that like being human is so hard. <laughs> it's yes. the hardest thing ever, mm-hmm. ever. And so to be able to give yourself the space to recognize that as well. Yeah. Um, your morning ritual. I know it. I have lived it. Ugh. It's <laughs> so yummy. Can you share it with people? Yeah. So I wake up and I meditate. Mm-hmm. In well, bed usually, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just like pop up. Um, I have my special meditation blanket that I have here with me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I meditate. I like Copal or, I mean, Copal has been my go-to lately. Yeah. Um, but I just, any sort of incense or even just Palo Santo, mm-hmm. um, light something on fire. Yeah. <laughs> and then I go downstairs and I put on some dreamy music that's just like really soft and subtle. Mm-hmm. And I make coffee and I make yummy delicious coffee elixirs with all sorts of extra like adaptogenic herbs and mm-hmm. protein and shout out to by Erica Elizabeth yeah Erica Elizabeth. yeah I'll link her stuff in the show notes perfect yeah um and then I just kind of sit with myself yeah for a bit and yeah. just no computer nothing no on yeah. on most days yeah sometimes I get on my phone too fast mm-hmm. same um but for the most part, you try to sit with your coffee or your booch. Yeah, or my booch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, then, like, yeah, but my – I love early mornings. It's my favorite time of day. Yeah, what time do you usually wake up? Um, I would say, like, between between 6 and 7. Yeah. I mean, some days I'll wake up at, like, 5.30 and be like, whoa, okay. Yeah, like I, I did today. I'm like, I'm awake. <laughs> time um, to start the day. How many yeah. hours of sleep do you need? Eight is like yeah. my ideal. Same. Actually, I think I'm more like nine. If I'm being yeah. honest, but eight's optimal. Yeah. Anything below six. Are you funky? Mm, I would yeah. call it more than funky. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be around or me if I've only had. Nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah. If I had, if I've had less than six. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So this is probably hard to answer because your business is, you know, kind of flowy. You know, you kind of create your own schedule. But what, if you could answer this, what is a typical day like for you? Mm. You just got your morning routine. Yeah. Which doesn't really waver. No, that's becoming, especially when I'm home, it's kind of like non-negotiable. I'd also like offer that to advice for any listeners who are maybe feeling a little stagnant or uninspired or just stuck. Don't you agree that like, even if it's like 15 minutes create some sort of even if you're not a routine person I'm not really I'm very go with the flow but like that morning routine mm-hmm. has been everything and it almost like inspires you to wake up in a different way like you're excited to totally do these things that feel so good and I think that there's something at least for me one of the most powerful shifts about that has been the first one to two hours of my day is yeah. completely inward. Yeah. And I'm giving myself the love and nourishment that I need yep. and tuning into myself to see, like, where am I at today? Yeah. Like, what do I need? What yeah. feels good? Um, which has really shifted because so, like, I mean, the first 35 years of my life pretty much, mm-hmm. like, everything was about everybody else. Yeah. And so that's been really nourishing for me on so many levels, which then sets me up to just show up the rest of the day in every interaction that I have so like fully. Yeah. Even like with yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know you're like the happiest person ever, but you're like spicy at the same time. Like even today we were at Whole Foods and we were <laughs> checking out and like the olive oil kind of got mixed with the guy, the guy in front of us. And she, Kate is just, you might really rise at me for this, but she's very magnetic. So like kind of where she goes, people see her and people, they do, they like, you get conversation started with you out of the blue all the time. Yeah, it's so crazy. It's true. And the guy, the guy was like, what did he say? The cashier was like, is this your olive oh, oil? Oh, he was like, something? oh, whoops, sorry. And, yeah. I, and I looked at the guy and then I looked at the cashier and I was like, well, maybe he'd like to buy my olive oil And today. he was like, I mean, I will. <laughs> I was like, please buy my like $40. But then this like whole like sweet conversation just started and then we're walking out the grocery store and that guy's like sitting down and he's just like looking at you leaving. I'm like, she's special. I know. But it just, you know, like think if you didn't have that time with yourself, mm-hmm. you know, because we, even when I visit, we still give each other that space, which I yeah, think... we, like, don't talk really anymore. We talk about it's how like, special oh, that is yeah. to be able to have, like, a guest that, like, you give the guest that space and they give you that space. Um, but and there's no pressure. Not, 
Yeah, but, like, that cashier, you might have just, like, not given a shit. And, like, sometimes if I'm not centered, I don't really want to partake in stranger talk. I'm like, this is an inconvenience for me. Yeah. You know, I don't have the brain power for this. <laughs> but it's so lovely to be able to, like, go to Whole Foods and have some banter in the cashier aisle and be like, that felt really good. Like, I'm Oh, my just gosh. Feeling, like, I became really good friends with one of the ca- my favorite cashier. Her name is Liv. Case in point. We went out <laughs> to eat last night. She was super good friends with our waiter. It's just, like, yeah, you are super yeah. magnetic. Uh, anyway, back to the question of a typical oh, right. day. <laughs> oh, yeah, typical day. Yeah. Um, so then after coffee, I like to go outside and be yeah. in nature. I like to go for a hike or a trail run, um, especially being here in Boulder. There's so much beautiful nature. Um, and I like to move. Mm. And then... Are I'll, you like a slow mover or do you need fast? Do you need like... It varies. Workouts? Yeah. Some days, if I really need to process a lot... Yeah. I'll go for a trail run and mm. I will really work it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other days I just want to be outside. I want to be in nature and I want to just go for more of a walk or yeah. like a super chill hike. Yep. Um, but being outside and connecting to nature on a daily basis is really important to me and I love to do it in the morning. Yeah. Um, oh, like your sunrise hikes? Yeah. Sunrise hikes. I wish I, I like to hike. <laughs> I like the sunrise part. Yeah. I'll stay at the bottom and wait for you. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then this is where things kind of change day to day. Yes. Um, I'll often have a handful of one-on-one client calls or meetings, Mm -hmm. um, which I try to like block together Mm -hmm. to just kind of in terms of time and efficiency. Um, but other days I don't, and I do group work with kids. Yes. You're empowered Um, young souls. Yeah. So sweet. Um, so that is totally different and I, um, will have them here to my house often or I'll go and we'll do adventures outside and, um, but yeah, it's like often client work in whatever capacity that is, whether that's one-on-one in-person stuff, whether that's over the phone, Mm -hmm. um, because I work with clients here locally. I also work with them all over the country. Yep. Um, and then the group dynamic stuff is also super fun with the kids. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which is super meaningful work for me right now. And then, but then I like to try to wrap up my work day by like six latest. That's what I was going to ask. Oh, that's late. But you are, you're also a generator. So that makes yeah. sense. Projector. I'm like, well, like, I can only work for four hours. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, yeah. in some nights, if I'm yeah. really feeling super inspired, you can I'll go. get back. Yeah. I'll totally crank. Yeah. Um, which feels good. And like now... Like, we were talking about yesterday when I did your whole nutrition workout. Yeah, I'm a new client. Woo. <laughs> um, it doesn't feel like work to me. Yeah, and ugh, I told you that yesterday. I was like, oh, my God, you were just, like, radiating through this, like, explaining to me, like, what my body's doing. You're like, and then. <laughs> yeah, you're so lit up. It's great. Yeah, so. But then I, I love to cook. Yeah. So. She's I, so good. <laughs> it makes no sense. I should start taking more pictures of the food that she makes me. Mm. I told you it's too pretty to eat. No such thing. I know, but we should take more time with our meal to like create beautiful meals. Part of like true, yeah. What I love about it, yeah. I love to make like go to the farmers market, which is I mean your first dinner here was farmers market goodness. Um, but so I love to cook, and that's kind of like my decompressing time. Yeah. At the end of the day, like some people are like, oh, I don't want to go home and cook dinner. I'm like, oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Um, that's like another act of meditation for you almost too. It's just like, yeah, it's therapeutic. Yeah. I just love to like put on some good tunes, like pour a glass of wine, mm-hmm. cook. I would too if I had your beautiful kitchen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was that's one of the things in you. this house I was like, or when I made the list of non-negotiables, I was like big open kitchen with lots of natural light. Yeah. Um, what's the best life advice that you've ever received? Oh, I mean, right now, but the yeah. first thing that comes up, mm-hmm. I think specifically was to really allow myself the space to grieve thoroughly. Mm-hmm. But I think that's situational and not everybody, unfortunately or fortunately, has had to actually grieve yeah. the loss of somebody that's close to them. So I think... What if it just came down to just giving yourself space? I was just going to yeah. say, but I think a way to simplify that and make it a little bit more universal yeah. is to allow yourself the space to really feel into what you're truly feeling. And what you need. Yeah. And honor that, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. What about the best business advice you've ever received? Hmm. That's a tough one. Best business advice I've ever received. Mm-hmm. 
I think you're really good. Not only to answer this question for you, please, but like what came to me, where I was like, I bet she's going to say this was like trusting your intuition. I feel like you're so tapped into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I know you and I are both working on all the time is like, you know, even answering that email at your counter, you're like, know your worth girl. Like <laughs> yeah. trying to figure out what to price someone at. And I yeah. think, yeah, you're an expander for me in that way of, I think you just really trust yourself. Yeah. And to really just, that's like unwavering yeah. is to know and really believe in yourself. Yeah. So we got, Don't stumped, on, we got stumped on a question. But <laughs> we never yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what's one way that you practice self-care every day? I already know the answer. Meditation. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I just did the simple for meditation. <laughs> I was like, what are you going to tell me? Because there is, yeah. Uh, meditation, um, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah. I need to be better about that. The book you're currently reading or the last one that you read? Attached. Attached? Mm-hmm. It's all about our attachment the way in which we like attach within relationships, Ooh. like codependency stuff. Yeah. Really interesting. Okay. What is one internal thing that you're currently working on? Like in this season right now? Letting go. Mm. Like detaching? Letting go from a lot, like expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that comes up a lot for me, especially like now that summer's winding down and we're stepping into fall and the seasons are changing, um, my old corporate Kate brain that likes to plan and be strategic and like get really into like business planning and future and all of that, which is really important on some levels. Yeah. But it takes away from the authenticity and the um, ability for me to grow organically here locally and beyond Mm -hmm. if I'm too much like my head's down yeah and I'm not open yeah so like letting go of that so good um you have one message to share with the world what would that message be love hard and forgive fast Ooh, uh, it's an angus quote oh I love that what does mindfulness mean to you what's like the first thing that comes to mind when you hear that to mindfulness Mm -hmm. self-awareness yeah. I don't think that's been an answer yet on the podcast. That's good. Yeah. You know how I feel about self-awareness. Yeah. Because I think, you know, yeah, being mindful is all about having a lot of self-awareness of, your, of ourselves and then others. Mm-hmm. But you have, yeah, it has to come down to like being self-aware first in order to be truly mindful of others, I think. 100%. Yeah. And that can get a little confusing or lost sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, the most important question, where can people find you? They can find me on Instagram at the whole nourish soul. Mm-hmm. And my website is the whole Those are the best two ways. So good. Her Instagram stories are so yummy. So beautiful. <laughs> so calming. And you'll get to see her food. Oh yeah. So make sure you guys follow her. Um, I love you so much. I love you so much. We did it. We did it. Yay. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me.